Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. I'm Carl. Okay, so today we're going to lead off with Gilbert Gottfried passing from muscular dystrophy. I feel confident everybody in this room knows who Gilbert Gottfried is. I was kind of surprised at what a big deal it was. And I'm not trying to trivialize anything about Gilbert Gottfried. I just, he's been in so many things and been such a little part. It just like, kind of surprised me at the outpouring that came out. I, how did you guys perceive that? I don't know. I tend to see it on the ripple effect of this. I see it through social media, right? I see it in tweets about the guy, and I see it in YouTube clips. The Conan Show put up his first appearance. And I'll see on YouTube, like, it'll I'll start seeing upticks in, like, video. Like, it happened with Taylor... Taylor Hawkins, Hawkins yeah. it happened there big time. Like I started seeing lots of videos of his old performances with Gilbert Gottfried. It was that as well. I think the thing that struck me about him the most was how most of his older stuff really hasn't aged well. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> he was always a comedian that kind of rode the line. Yeah. yeah. And that line has changed quite a bit over uh-huh. the last couple of decades. So, Well, and yeah. for, like what's funny is that it's not even necessarily that he's any edgier than any other comic. His comedy just comes off as mean. Yeah. Like yeah. just mean. I guess I get the, the, the humor is that these are people that he cares about and he's saying these things to them and they're like going like ah that's hilarious that you're saying this to me because we're very good friends you know kind of thing which i guess is funny well another part of his comedy for sure was making fun of himself like when he was on howard stern for example a lot of jokes about how cheap he was a lot of jokes like that dude had just a million Maybe that's jokes what in it his was. pocket was that as mean as he would be about anybody else he was twice as mean on him at himself yeah because he was he didn't just like lash out at other people he very much had a sense of all of his own shortcomings and brought it into his comedy quite a bit but i would even say that's not what we're talking about is not even what most people know about gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. i feel like most people know he was like yago the parrot or the principal and uh problem child movies like yeah. he's always the principal stuff like that where he just shows up and he talks in his weird voice for like a couple of minutes and uh it always codes as like this weird annoying little guy that was kind of his lane yeah and then like he was uh the new adult swim show uh smiling friends he played god <laughs> oh man <laughs> what a choice for the voice of god that's a good choice for god <laughs> I got to applaud that choice, too. (laughs) Let there be light. (laughs) I watched The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I usually watch, like, the monologues every night on YouTube. And they did a uh, unaired bit that they did with uh, Gilbert Gottfried, like, trying to promote the new season of uh, Bridgerton. Hmm. So it's just him being, like, extremely dirty. I also saw him uh, reading out of the, what's that, whipping book? Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I was like whipping book, and I swear to God, my head immediately went to the Old Testament. That was the first thing I thought. Maybe it's because he is the voice of God. I don't know. So I think my biggest connection to Gilbert Godfrey, which I'm sure is yours, Brandon, was USA Up All Night. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I, yeah. I watched that show a lot growing up. We watched that show. I mean, like, we used to watch it together a lot. Yeah. We had this weird thing in high school. We'd go over to friends' houses, and then we'd watch movies all the time. And the worse the movie, the better for us. I don't know if it was, like, a matter of bad taste. No, it was a matter of bad taste, because I thought they were legitimately good sometimes. (laughs) Like, all the Trauma Team films, you know? I'm older now, and I know they're not good, but I'd still still have a soft spot. Yeah. And I think it is because of USA Up All Night. Rhonda Shear, I think, was the other popular host. They had one before Gilbert Gottfried, I believe, and she didn't make it very far on the show. It was like they had one person that did it, and then I think they replaced them with Gilbert Gottfried 
Reed and Rhonda Shear, and then it kind of took off. But, you know, they would just do the thing. All right, youngins, you might see parodies of this every now and again where you see a horror movie and then they'll have somebody who's comping for Elvira, if you know who that is, who will like vamp in between and make jokes about the bad movie they're watching. That was a very popular thing before we were born, but then it kind of evolved mostly into that, right? Like USA Up All Night, where they're watching bad movies and you just have comedians or B actresses with comedic aspirations. Yeah, there were two it. shows. There was USA Up All Night and then uh, the Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. Like, and I guess he's still doing Unshutter. Like, there was also Elvira. Like, yeah. I watched Elvira when I was a kid as well. So, um, not just the movie. Like, I saw her show for a little while. We used to do, okay, this is old man talk, but we had the VHF channels, which was like the ones that came in locally. And then the UHF channels that you really had to move around the antenna to get. And you could get it from anywhere you get, got the signal. And so I could get Elvira late at night on Friday night when I was a kid if I got the antenna just right. <laughs> yeah, see, and that must be a West Coast thing because here in Montana, that UHF doesn't exist. Yeah, that's an interesting point because by the time I came here, we had a class where a guy came in and talked about it, like talked about laying out that fiber optic cable and about how many channels everybody was going to get. And he didn't really think about how that would affect the internet, which was hardly a thing at that point. Where I was at in Coos Bay, Oregon, if you adjusted the UHF channels right, I could get a station from Canada and I could get a bunch of them from California and like all over Oregon and Washington, but it had to be just right. And I had 64, I think, channels that you could toggle through. And, you know, I knew that there was maybe like 12 viable channels. You know? <laughs> Some of them were never going to yeah. come in no matter how much you adjusted it. Yeah. Most of my childhood, if you didn't have cable, you had three on there and there were all uh, VHF, which was ABC, NBC, CBS and usually wherever I lived, there was the PBS affiliate. So, so I think that was kind of Gilbert Gottfried's like it. He has a weird career because he starts out on Saturday Night Live, but it's in the chunk of Saturday Night Live that nobody really the appreciates. Joe Piscopo years. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's the years that Lorne Michaels is not in charge. Yeah, and, and so, it was only twelve ep- or he was only on like twelve episodes. You say Joe Piscopo, it's Joe Piscopo without Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you know, that's an important <laughs> distinction because <laughs> the Eddie Murphy, I guess, year and a half was like actually pretty popular because he just immediately rose to fame and, and saved the show. Like the show was starting to die off. So then he basically he takes over USA Up all nights, and then he's one of those guys that you would occasionally see on stand up comedy, and you would occasionally see in a bit part in a movie and then he plays Yago the parrot which like weirdly elevates him because all of a sudden he shows up in various cartoons doing voices and then starts getting work as bit parts and cable shows becomes a regular guest on Howard Stern things like that and then I mean like it seemed like the last couple of years I know he was doing a podcast I think it was like Gilbert's big ass Amazing podcast or something. Yeah. Like, that. like it was one of those shows. I, I'll be honest, dude. It's real rough to hang with an hour podcast when Gilbert Gottfried is constantly there. It's not his voice, it's his laugh. His laugh is real rough to hang with <laughs> for an, a whole hour because he goes, <laughs> like all the time. I only listened to a couple of episodes and they did one where uh, Rhonda Shear was the ghost. The, I listened to that as well. The, the guest and like they talked about, you know, a lot of the stuff on USA Up All Night. And I listened to that, but I was like, oh, I don't know if I could listen to more of this. This is real tough. Yeah, I used to hang on it when an old actor that was in a movie that I really liked would show on because he was pretty good about like getting stuff out of him. But God, he was tough to hang with for a whole <laughs> podcast, if I'm being honest. But you will be Miss Gilbert. Uh, moving on, I want to talk about the big news that everybody's talking about. Of course, they're making a Barbie movie. That's the big news that everybody's talking about? Yeah, they're making a Barbie movie. And I think it's a big deal because it's Greta Gerwig's follow-up to Lady Bird, which is a pretty big deal, dude. It's a big deal in this house. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's a follow-up to Little Women, <laughs> which is a follow-up to Lady Bird. I forget because I watched the wrong Little Women for the podcast. <laughs> Watch the Netflix version. <laughs> I just wanted to make note of it because A, that's bizarre. B, it's even more bizarre when you realize the cast is Margot Robbie playing Barbie, Ryan Gosling playing Ken, and then there's Will Ferrell America Ferrara, Kate McKinnon, Alexandra Ship, Ariana Greenblatt, and Simia Liu are all in it. Like, it's just an odd smattering of people to put together for a Barbie movie. I kind of want to see this Barbie movie. Well, you report back to us, okay? Yeah, you bet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I see lots of movies you guys don't see. I don't well, see any see reason your to change it. Barbie movie with Greta Gerwig, and I'll raise you something I definitely won't be watching. Which is a Minecraft movie starring Jason Momoa, directed by Jared Hess. I just want to say really quick, Jason Momoa, it's not finalized yet. It is finalized. I just looked at it before I just you walked looked. in. He's in talks. Yeah. Well, let's still... hope he says no. <laughs> and that this whole thing falls apart and that Jared Hess never works it again. It has been in like pr- production hell for over 10 years now. Yeah. The fact that they reported it to the Hollywood reporter, though, tells me that they're pretty confident this is going forward. That might be part of their negotiation pressure is by reporting it. <laughs> Jason Momoa is like, shit, I got to do this now. Oh, my man. They're trying All to right. trick him. Yeah, they're just trying to like trick him. Oh, you already, they're trying to gaslight him. You already said yes. See the article? You agreed to do this. <laughs> no, listen Wait. to this podcast. This guy is talking about how you signed this. <laughs> already <laughs> we've I'm, just played I'm in into on it. the i'm in on the conspiracy you've just accidentally bolstered jared <laughs> yeah. hess's career damn you jared hess <laughs> i'll never forgive him for that movie so we should just break down if you're not familiar with who jared hess is he napoleon did napoleon dynamite, dynamite. that's he not did what Nacho i libre which are great movies the and unforgivable then movie is called gentlemen broncos and i don't that even i shouldn't movie. i don't know i shouldn't even be about. bringing up the name of the movie we should it's like when you when a guy goes on a killing spree and he like murders a bunch of people and then you don't say his name in the press we should be treating jared hess the same way for gentlemen broncos <laughs> and i've said his name again damn it i thought that movie was great <laughs> well you're it was great objectively incorrect no it it's has, terrible it's it fucking terrible <laughs> It's so bad. <laughs> she swallowed it. She swallowed it. He threw up into her mouth and she looks him right in the eyes and she swallows it. I'll never forgive them for that movie. <laughs> That's that not moment. even as bad as the giant albino snake that <laughs> diarrheas up his shirt. God damn it. Mike <laughs> White shirt, movie. I should say. Fucking movie. <laughs> oh, man. You do got to admit, though, this is like literally the only thing that I thought was really good about the movie. What's his face from Flight of the Conqueror? Oh, Jermaine yeah. Clements. Jermaine Clements. Yeah. Fucking kills that role. And what? Sam Rockwell's pretty good in the role, too. It's just, Jesus, they had bad material to work with. <laughs> what it comes down to is Jermaine Clements just great, period. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the shiny crab in Moana. Yeah, he's he's with Jason Momoa. Yeah, my man. He's a vampire. That's not true. Right? He's one of the what we do in the shadows vampires. From yes. the movie. From the movie. movie. And the show. Yeah, but he's yeah, not he's in, in he's, he's in, in the, like he's in the council of He's in like one, one or two episodes. Yes. And even then it's usually Taika Waititi that shows up, not Jermaine Clement. I don't know if Jermaine's actually No, I actually think Jermaine's been on it more than Taika Waititi. Yeah, I think so. Because really? he's been on it twice, and I think Taika's been on it once. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. Now, Matt Berry, Laszlo, that guy's the fucking best. Yeah. Yeah. And I found out recently that he has a... Uh, he has a whole music career as well that's not like comedy music. It's like straight up just regular music, and it's good. <laughs> what kind of music? You're like straight up regular music? Yeah, like- uh, <laughs> Human music. Yeah, it is kind of- honestly, It's not vampiric? The weirdest thing about it is that is the best way of describing it is just like human music. So when I hear human music, what I'm picturing is like soft jazz, but what is it really? It's kind of like inoffensive uh, soft jazz <laughs> no like this well i mean the it track, is human music the track in particular that i like it would fit in in like a 70s like exploitation movie like it's got the don't you know kind of that thing 
And like, it's just really good. It's hard to describe. It's chill. It's chill as fuck, dude. It's laid back. It's like kind of hip. Like, I'll check it out, man. You just, it sounds it's good. Is it under Matt. his name? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just Matt Berry. Does it, is it Matt Berry or Matthew Berry? If I it's look Matt it Berry. Okay. Yeah. I. What was hilarious is that I had this track on this, my liked songs on Spotify for months. I just found the song by accident. I probably found it being on after like listening to what's his name? Uh, Bruce McCullough's album, Shame Based Man. Yeah, it's such a great album. It goes into the radio station based on that album. And I think because they're both like on television that it just put them together, even though not really similar music. Well, that leads me to the big news of the night. Kids in the Hall have eight episodes on Amazon. Brand oh, boy. new episodes. That's exciting. That is <laughs> really exciting. And I was a little nervous because I saw them in like a retrospective talking and Dave Foley looked like, <laughs> not looked like, sounded like he was half zonked out on meds and slurring everything that he was saying. And I was kind of worried about Dave Foley for a while. And this was years ago I saw that. But it seems like they're in pretty good shape. They're well, you just know, like gray. When they did Death Comes to Town, Kids in the Hall Death I've Comes to Town. I've been trying to see that and I've not been able to see it. I did not like it. And I was just like, oh, no, they've lost it. Let me but, check really quick. You a Brain Candy fan? Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, all right. We're on the same page. Okay, yeah. just check it. Yeah, no, I love Kids in the Hall. Because I know people fan. that like really turned on Brain Candy and I'm like, what? No, it's, it's great. great. It's fucking That's amazing. It's great. It's just impossible to find in the it United really States. <laughs> so good, though. Then I like that uh, the Michael McKean uh, plays the the Lauren Michaels character. Like the business, his business. Not Michael McKean. Michael McKean, yeah. Is that the guy from Spinal Tap? Oh no, I am thinking I got the name wrong, don't I? I do have the name wrong. Yeah, but, and I know I can see him in my God head, but I can't What's think his of his name. He's the guy who's like Mark always McKinney. Squished. Yeah, Mark McKinney. Mark yeah. McKinney. Yeah. He's okay. the one who's always squishing like, people's heads. Yeah. And he does, ah, oh, there that guy's back. Yeah. He's like, there's cops <laughs> pulling guns on him, and he's like, step back or I will squish it. And he's like got a yeah. building between oh, his fingers. God, he's kind of like <laughs> take down a building. <laughs> he's a gun full terrorist. I love that they're calling back brain candy though, because <clears> you're <throat> right. He's Mike Mark McKinney's doing that Lauren Michaels thing. And they have Dave Foley doing his so assistant. When I watched Brain Candy, I didn't know that that was a Lauren Michaels impression because I didn't know anything. I didn't either. I didn't know all the SNL stuff. So, like, I re- knew his voice and I still didn't put it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Dr. Evil was also a Lauren Michaels impression. Isn't that what, like, got him and Dana Carvey, like, feuding for a while? Because he was like, you stole my Lauren impression to do your Dr. Evil character. It's very possible that, that something tic-tac-y like that would have set him off because I was researching Wayne's World to do it for a cosmic void. And like Dana Carvey quit Wayne's World before it even started because Mike Myers basically locked him out of the writer's room. Like he would not let him write on that movie. He was afraid that he would take all his good ideas. And he didn't even want Garth in the movie. And Lorne Michaels had to convince him that Garth needed Damn. to be in the movie. Garth. Garth does need to be in the movie. He does. And I think Dana Carvey was weirdly helped by it because he bats a thousand in that movie. But when you're actually paying attention to it, when you're aware of the riff, you realize he's only in like 25 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And I I had always thought about it as like, the two of them constantly. Yeah. When I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, he fucking kills every scene he's in, but he's like you sparingly. So you want more. He's the character you want more of, you know? Yeah. He does really well. Who knows? He might've killed it too, but I just look at his other movies and I have somewhat of a doubt. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> like with the exception of opportunity knocks, it's I a mean, lot of messes. You love masters of disguise. Turtle, turtle. <laughs> I am a master of disguise. I am a master of disguise. I honestly cannot remember anything about that movie except for the turtle, turtle line. I just remember being Are you, supremely disappointed. enough for the turtle club? Yes, I remember uh, that too. So I actually, the only reason I know that movie at, well at all is because I'm a big fan of that episode of How Did This Get Made? <laughs> Fair. We had a friend, uh, Dub and I, 
and Matt Campbell had a friend who I'm not going to name on the podcast just because like, Jesus Christ, dude, we're all in our thirties <laughs> and forties at this point. I don't want to like accidentally put him on blast, but he looked like the guy and master of Dis- Like he looked like the character Dana Carvey was dressing up as. And every time we saw him, we go turtle, turtle. Oh, that's <laughs> and he'd kind of laugh, but I'm sure deep yeah. down inside he was upset. I would be, but he couldn't do anything about it because nope. he was like the turtle guy. You know what I mean? Like what's the turtle <laughs> yeah, guy going to do? Sometimes you get, a name you know it's the universe yeah he drives drives around aquaman think when (laughs) when that happens to you listener at home just remember this is the universe's way of reminding you that you are powerless (laughs) (laughs) sometimes shit just happens to you and you gotta just roll with it it's true lesson learned Let's get to the big story here. So David Cronenberg put <laughs> yeah. out a trailer for Crimes of the Future. Carl, I turn this over to you. The biggest news is a fucking teaser trailer. Is that what you're telling me? For David Cronenberg, yeah. Yeah, Cronenberg's the best. He's back to body horror. Thank God. Yeah, that was my big takeaway. So was I'm like, excited. Wow, this is disgusting. It's old Cronenberg. It's like the fifth time he's worked with Vigo. It's the first time he's doing body horror with Vigo. Kristen Stewart's in it. She's good. She's like really coming to her own as well. Like both her and uh, Robat Bat and Bat have really done a fantastic job of overcoming. It's Robert Patterson. The, t- the Twilight franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, you just look befuddled. They just, they haven't they not done an amazing job of like overcoming what just uh, shit. Being at- in Twilight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, They're the both- jury's still out on Kristen Stewart. No, she's like, more than. I, she's fucking awful. Look, I'll, I'll say she's, this, dude. I saw her good. in Spencer and while I did not care for that movie, she does this amazing transformation it like without a bunch of makeup just like a weird haircut she actually seemed like princess diana and i was like okay i see the skill here like i could actually see her really really acting and acting hard dude she acted so hard like the thing about the thing about twilight from her brow she was acting so hard (laughs) the character that she plays in twilight bella swan is like the most bland personality that you could possibly write and get away with writing so that the reader can imprint themselves onto that character. Right. And and so it's not that she's a bad actress. It's that she's working with the most bullshit material you could ever possibly get. So the only other thing I think I've seen with her is that uh, Snow White movie. Oh, yeah. The Huntsman. That's yeah. like too close That's afterwards. afterwards. That's still God. in the Twilight era. Yeah. Too, yeah. It's still but early. Just like, check cool. out uh, check out Underwater. Is that what it's called? Underwater? The one, so it starts out as I she's, just, she's working around on in a, like a broad under, part of it, no, right? Well, she's on an underwater That's base. how they sold the movie. She's in an underwater base and something goes wrong. The base gets damaged and they realize at a certain point that the only way that they're going to be able to survive this is by actually going outside and walking across the bottom of the ocean from one part to the other and then like halfway through the movie it goes all cthulhu underwater cthulhu monster on them and like the the monsters are badass but like i've seen is it truly cthulhu do they just stare at it in horror frozen (laughs) i don't know i don't know i never i've only watched parts of the movie on like Facebook have popped up and I've caught like <laughs> little clips One of those there. ones where they like take the widescreen and push it to four, three yeah, and then they give speed them all, it up a bit so that it doesn't Give catch. them all squirrel voices so that it doesn't <laughs> yeah. set off the automated uh, copyright detectors. <laughs> Ugh. Although I also did learn that the frames that they make stuff in Britain in and what we show stuff in America is slightly different Yeah, to the point where when you watch an American TV show in on British television, it's slight, it's pitched up slightly because it's slightly sped up. American TV shows shown in Europe are like on helium. All of them. All of them. Is that because their commercial breaks are in different spots? It's because of how they encode it. It's like NTSC versus oh, some other thing. It's just a weird technical glitch. And well, and it also has to do with they have two different set frame rates, frames per second. One of them is, and it's just like they're just different numbers. It's 24 here. And well, it's it's almost like twice. It's almost, it's like 50 over there. Well, that and like the uh, electricity in the United States is 60 hertz, which is. Yeah. And then in 55 in Europe, it's 50. Yeah. 50. 
Okay. So it's and like that makes a difference. Five six. It of changes. The speed. It shifts it. Yeah. Interesting. Fucking weird. Kristen Stewart, just to to button up that before we button up the other thing to get back to what we're talking about. What else? Have She's I also liked good her? in Still Alice. Uh, that was the one that Julianne Moore won the Oscar for, where she's got Alzheimer's. Like Kristen Stewart is playing her daughter who does not want to like be attached to her mom anymore. She wants to like run off and be free. And then by the end of the thing, she just accepts she's got to take care of her mom, and it's a real L for. Her. And uh, it is a real bummer that I watched, and I was like, wow, she's actually like pretty good. So. Yeah, I I try not to hold the Twilight thing against them. Like, if somebody was like, hey, Biggs, you want to do a remake of Twilight? I'd be like, fuck, no. And they'd be like, here's $75. And I'd be like, all right. You know, a big part of it, too, is like they were pushing a version of her in reality that wasn't real. They were pushing like her dating robot Pattinson. You know, they like dated while the movies were going on. You know, well, now she's like she came out. She's yeah. She feels more like herself. She feels more authentic now because she's kind of authentically being herself and not being this like Hollywood starlet cookie cutter like, you know, Catherine Heigl. Right. <laughs> Although I did see her on SNL and that was that episode. She's was always awful. good on SNL. Oh, no, she's awful. no, was she, that was good. Awful. That one was so good when she has that moment, like uh, her and Vanessa Bayer doing the Tostino's pizza rolls. <laughs> They're having this like super homoerotically charged romantic situation in the back. <laughs> it's like, oh, but what about my hungry guys? You know, and then it's like Totina's <laughs> pizza rolls. <laughs> Fuck great. She was great. Agree to disagree. All right. So we button up that back to Cronenberg. One thing I'm concerned about is that I think he's using CGI, which I'm not surprised by, but I'm disappointed by. Is that his first foray with CGI? It's, it kind of is, honestly. I mean. I don't know. Do you consider special- existence? So that's mostly practical effects. Like there's wipes and stuff. stuff. There's wipes and stuff. But the thing about Existence is that it doesn't look all digital. It looks like reality. Yeah. Things are just. I'm kind of thinking back on Existence and I do feel like it's probably practical. It doesn't. I know all the the, like body humor stuff is all practical. You say body humor? (laughs) Body humor. (laughs) It's the new Cronenberg phase. Hey, I've been ripping apart bodies. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah, no more horror. Let's make it. Let's make you laugh. Yeah, there's a face in the vagina but look it's really hungry it tells you a great joke that's a good (laughs) one-liner i think this might be one of the first times i mean even for a dangerous method he like built stuff that represented historical medical equipment from back in the day and he like practically made all of that there was probably CGI in like, I don't know, Maps to the Stars or Cosmopolis or one of those. I doubt it, man. I but, mean, I saw Map to the Stars and there was nothing that warranted CGI. But this, in that. it looks like there's like some kind of chrysalisy kind of machine that Vigo is in at the beginning of the trailer. And it's very clearly CGI, right. like bad CGI. But the body horror looks fucking practical to me. Like it looks The guy sewing his mouth shut when he has ears yeah. like growing out of his forehead. That. <laughs> That looked great. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and like, it's the Cronenberg we want. <laughs> so I read somebody was talking about how they've seen it. The movie's finished and it is, I think, debuting it, at Cannes. I think it already played at Cannes. Yes. Yeah. So somebody talked about seeing it at Cannes and they were like, I'm strongly anticipating people having adverse reactions to the last 20 minutes of this film. (laughs) He's like, I expect people to leave the theater. Not everybody is going to be happy (laughs) to finish this movie. And I was just like, oh boy, (laughs) I'm excited. So Brandon, Uh, we going to go. We going to make it a night, man. We're going to have a guy night. Girl to take to on a date. You want to go date. You want to go to the lawyer with me and Carl in his date? No, I'm not. You guys don't get to come on my first date with this strange girl to, has to come see horrible Cronenberg movie with me. She would have to be a strange girl. <laughs> well, yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait, dude. I, honest to God, like, I want to see it. Cronenberg's I really want to see it. He's going to win the Oscars, all the Oscars this year, next I year. I feel like him making this movie means he's given up on an Oscar, which I am <laughs> all about, dude. Some people should not play in those waters. It's true. And, like, as much as I like some of his movies that were those Oscar things, I like his other movies better. 
The other thing too is like, oh, this the other interesting thing is speaking of Existence, this movie is called Crimes of the Future. The working title of Existence was Crimes of the Future. And then the title that they decided on for the final release of the movie was then Existence. But that makes me wonder if maybe thematically, at least, these are connected. Dude, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, he That's a had, good thing. He it, had Total Recall at one point. The Explorer. And then he had like a series of movies after that that were about questioning your own identity. And he said in one interview that essentially he was working out things that he really liked about that script because he was really, really let down when he, when it fell through and he wasn't able to make that movie. So he like worked it into other things. So I don't doubt if he had further thoughts on Existence that it would bleed out into the screenplay one way or the other. He seems like a dude who does that. A lot of directors yeah. do. Yeah. The ideas he explores in Existence are really good, interesting ones. Even if some of his explorations are a bit ham-fisted, like kind of on the nose, just fine. doesn't have to always be super subtle. <laughs> I don't want to see a ham-fist on the nose. That's... <laughs> That that's sounds more, like a Cronenberg thing. It's more of like society than. But the fucking, ham doesn't want to be on the nose. Like that's the key like to a, it. Yeah, the ham fist. Bad. The ham's Cronenberg the ham fist is trying to work its way off of the nose. That's like but dollar it's attached store to the nose. It's like dollar store Cronenberg ripoff. <laughs> Kirkland Cronenberg. Cronenberg. <laughs> is that what Brandon Cronenberg is? His son? No. He's just a kid. Let's Give be honest, dude. Is there a bit of a like, all right, everybody's fucking talking up my son and saying this shit's more horrifying than me. I love you, Junior, but fuck you, dude. I'm going <laughs> to bury you. <laughs> I don't think anybody thinks that he's grosser than his dad. But this is sadly the first movie that he's basically ever made without his sister doing costuming because she died of COVID, I think, in 2020. Oh, that's a bummer. Denise Cronenberg. I always thought it was his wife for ever and ever. I thought it was his wife. And then I just learned. I was reading about this movie and I read that, oh, first time it is why his sister won't be on it. And I was like, oh, it's his sister. Huh. Well, that's too bad. Also slightly creepy that like everybody assumed it was his wife. Not everybody, just me. <laughs> Okay, let's get into the real reason why we came here. So everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once dropped, and I went to go see it. As of this recording, it's only out, I think, in 224 theaters. Two of those we theaters- We two of those in town. Yeah, two of those were in town. I went to the independent one, the Myrna Loy. Normally, I don't talk about the things around me going to the movie because I know it's not interesting, but I feel like it's important for this discussion that I read off what my mom sent me after watching this because I was about to go with my daughter. So she wrote, great movie. Be aware if you take Saran, there are scenes involving anal plugs, ball gags, and S&M. Please review on your podcast. I can't wait to hear you describe it. So then I have to have this conversation with Amanda while we're like getting our taxes worked on. And I'm like quietly talking to her like, I don't know. Should we take her to this? Like maybe that's too attack. But I'm like trying to rationalize it. Usually I'm the one that would say no to it. And then so I text her back. Do they show the butt plugs or do they show them going inside of people? <laughs> <laughs> what are we really talking about here? So she happily told me that it's comical instead. <laughs> I won't get into the description because I don't want to spoil this movie. There's people that are saying you have to experience it and you can. Whatever I say here is not going to give you the experience of this movie. But what the plot essentially is, the machinations of it, is this lady lives a humdrum life. She's not happy with where she's at. She's a Chinese immigrant. Her husband suddenly turns into a different person and he's from another universe. And he clues her in that, A, the multiverse is collapsing in on itself and that she is the key to helping everybody. They don't say the chosen one, but she's basically like the chosen one, okay? The way that she can power up and deal with this stuff is she does something super bizarre that this they have essentially the old school Bluetooth things that are on the ear. They put one on each ear, and then it tells them a thing that they can do to access a universe that will help them. And so when they access that universe, they experience that universe at the same time, but it also gives them a trait from that universe. Universe. So some of the things that were in the trailers, there's a hot dog universe where they have hot dogs for fingers. That comes in handy at 
certain parts, there is a kung fu universe. There's another kung fu universe where you can just like beat people around by like flicking them. Like just with your fingertip, you can kick the shit out of somebody. And there's this whole variety of things, different outcomes of her life. So many different things. That is the setup for this movie. I'm not going to go further into that. I have never, ever, ever been in an audience like this where everybody laughed so hard. Everybody teared up. Everybody was riveted during the action scenes. Everything on this just fired on full cylinders. And you go and watching this, and I've heard this in review after review after review, which was exactly what ran through my thought process, which was, fuck, maybe I'm too old for this. Because you start to watch it, and stuff goes so fast sometimes. It's like a TikTok video. And then he does this brilliant thing where like you get all of these flashes, but it happens so consistently that like you're able to hang with each plot there are 15 to 20 plots going on in this from like different parts of the multiverse and you will be able to follow every single one you'll have a panic moment at the beginning and then you'll realize fuck i'm really following this amanda before she went to go see it she watched the trailer and i was like do you want to go see it with me and she's like uh not really but i guess like so she wasn't like thrilled to go in there my daughter didn't want to go all three of us walked out talking about the movie loved it like Everybody was just fucking on fire about it. But furthermore, movie companies are fucking talking about this movie. Directors and writers are talking about this movie. I can't do justice what this movie is, but I'm telling you guys right now, if you do not see this in the theater, you will regret it. This is a movie like The Matrix in that you could not tell somebody what The Matrix was before they saw it and have them understand the experience that they were going to have going to see that movie for the first time. And it changed cinema. This movie is going to change cinema. The style that it does, this is what's going to happen. Whether this movie becomes like a super big cult movie or becomes like a sleeper hit, this movie is going to change movies. I'm telling you right now. And it should. It's so fucking wildly entertaining. Visually, with the comedy, the stories all hold together. Jamie Lee Curtis, never better than in this movie. Everybody down. Short round. Fucking spectacular in this movie, man. (laughs) Short round fucking kills it. And I say he kills it like he does the thing where he's sort of like short round where he just like quips and like does kung fu he's also a sad sack he's also a noir style guy who's just like contemplating life like they give him 10 different things to do and he fucking nails every one and the main actress michelle yun fucking fantastic carl you would love this movie it takes so much from kung fu hustle and Parts like of the Stephen style. Chow? Yes. Yes, there's Stephen Chow stuff. There's fucking Kubrick stuff in this. Jackie Chan stuff in this. There is just like everything you could think of. There's like the piano shit in this. Like this movie literally has not just something for everybody, but like a lot for everybody. Whatever kind of movie you're in the mood for, it's in this movie, which is why it's so fucking hard to explain. There's never been a more accurate title than everything, everywhere, all at once. See this fucking movie it's the best movie to come out since parasite daughter shannon she was home over the weekend and she actually saw it on friday down in bozeman and just was over the moon on it i meant to go yesterday at, after dinner with my folks but i got home and i like just dozed off and missed to miss the movie made me sad well i will say if you guys wind up seeing it this week Let's fucking talk about it like spoilerific next week if you guys get a chance. Because I'm telling you, you guys would love this movie. I'm not just saying it. Like, you guys would fucking love this movie. I swear to you. Everybody listening to this will love this movie. It's fucking great. The only people who aren't going to love this movie are like ardent racist because there's a lot of Asian characters. That's it. That's the only people who aren't going to love this movie. Thor Love and Thunder. I guess we should work that That's in, right? That's supposedly a thing. Yeah. <laughs> going to be good looks like more fun with thor fun thor getting his uh getting his groove back making googly eyes at star lord (laughs) (laughs) that was amazing dude that was amazing where he's just saying something about looking at the one you love and he keeps creeping in craning his neck to block star lord (laughs) star lord's trying to look at the guardians And Thor just keeps trying to get in his eye line. <laughs> and he so subtly looks depressed when Star-Lord's like, no, not me. Yeah, <laughs> There is, it looks like they're going to have some fucking fun. I saw hints of Greek gods. Oh, yeah. Zeus. Russell Crowe's Zeus Ooh. is in this. That's Russell Crowe's back, you see, catching that comically yellow lightning bolt. Yep. That is Russell yeah. Crowe. Oh, that's going to be That's fat good. Russell Crowe. That's the best Russell Crowe there is, dude. <laughs> 
like the nice guys Russell Crowe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then we've got what's her name is back as Valkyrie. Yes, Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson. I knew it was double initials, but I kept wanting to say double J's, but that's Jessica Jones. And she's in like a business room. Yeah, like it looks like she's boardroom for (laughs) New Asgard. (laughs) She's like the she's like the city council, the CEO of New Asgard. She looks. uh, It's Mm. good to see her back. The one thing that I gotta gotta say points against the trailer, and this is not points against the movie, just the trailer. But they played Guns N' Roses, and Guns N' Roses sucks. Sweet Child of Mine is garbage. Yeah, it didn't fit the trailer. I I it doesn't fit. It worked with the trailer. I just don't like the song. (laughs) I don't like the song. And I like they made it work, but yeah, they clearly edited that song. Right. I hope that that song does not show up in the movie itself. To be honest, because it might. I was. It might though. Think about. Think about Led Zeppelin. No, dude. My biggest. That was my biggest knock against Ragnarok. Is that he used immigrant song twice in the movie. Use it three times. Times. That's terrible. No, because it was great, dude. They use it nope. for a battle scene at the beginning. Then they have it on the elevator. They have the Muzak version, which is fucking hilarious. Oh, that, that, that I didn't And then even they notice. play it at the end. That's what that song, that is like the only proper usage of that song, dude. Nope, that is like totally it. a perfect usage. I didn't of that like song. it. <laughs> Do you not like that song or did you not like the usage? I didn't like the usage. Okay. And the song is fine. I'm not like, I don't think the song is great. It's fine. I actually honestly like the, I like the, in Infectious Groove's cover of Immigrant Song better. I like the use of it in School of Rock when Jack Black is like leaping in the van and he does yeah. his, ah! It's great. Yeah, that wasn't. No. <laughs> no, my headphone caught on my foot. <laughs> it was not great. <laughs> Hurt a little bit, I'm going to be honest. But it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to Love and Thunder. It looks gorgeous. Dude, we got Korg in it again. I'm super yep. excited to get more Korg. We got Lady Sif. I guess she's in it. I didn't yeah. see her in the trailer, but did you guys see her in the trailer? Yeah, she'll probably be yeah. at like 10 minutes of the movie. No shot of Christian Bale is Gore the God Butcher, <laughs> but he's Gore in it. Gore the God Butcher. Guess what he does? I'm going to guess he bakes cakes. Yes. Cake boss. Yep. Cake boss. He's a cake boss. He just like runs in and starts screaming at like chefs, telling them how to do it properly. I mean, yeah. you made up a thing. Now I'm making up a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about Paul of Tompkins and how he does one of his characters on Comedy Bang Bang is Cake Boss. And one of his characters on Comedy Bang Bang is also Werner Herzog. Right. And we'll be talking a little bit about something along those lines next week. So, yeah, we're going to talk. I'll just call it out now. We're going to talk about Ryan North's podcast uh, for the unbeatable Squirrel Girl next week. The unbeatable Squirrel. Wait, the Squirrel Girl Unbeatable <laughs> podcast. And it's got Milena Vaintraub as Squirrel Girl. She was supposed to play Squirrel Girl years ago in the ABC Family Show, the or whatever. pilot for New Warriors that got filmed, but they never made any more. Yeah, it was going to be on Freeform, I think. Well, I'm not quite done with Thor yet because, in addition to all the Guardians except for Gamora, who's clearly not in it, I feel like they're going to wrap that up in Guardians Three. Yeah, we have not in the trailer, but. We know he's in there because Take IYTD has said it. Matt Damon playing actor Loki. Actor Loki is going to be back. That's literally the name <laughs> like of the, the character. Asgar- the Asgardian actor. Yeah, who plays Loki. That played Loki. His credit is, I looked it up today. His credit on INDB is literally actor Loki. So <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. Yeah. Of course, that could change when the movie actually comes out. Sometimes that stuff is. Right. They update it when, because Marvel doesn't exactly hand yeah. over a lot of details. I've seen a lot of, like, and also if you if you try to look ahead on tv shows at future episodes sometimes there's really random weird information filled in somebody heard a rumor and was like i'm gonna go update that (laughs) (laughs) yeah that we can't skip over the last dude jane foster with mjolnir so like like reformed you can tell you can see the the yeah the the cracks in it yeah where hella broke it so we knew that that was going to happen because of the toys, right? Like, I know you and I talked about this, Brandon. The toy had the cracked Mjolnir, so we figured that was going to happen. But that still leaves me with the question. I'm not saying this is, like, wrong or anything. I'm just curious. What happened to Mjolnir from the past? I hope that Steve Rogers took it home. They took it back, yeah. You think uh, Steve Rogers just hung on to it and then returned it? I guess he could hold it, right? 
Yeah, I well, mean, because he, he had to take the. He told them to take it because he had Stormbreaker. He was like, then I that's what it. it was. He took that hammer back. Okay, and Jane, that makes sense. The new one gets repaired. I'm a little disappointed that the trailer showed that scene because it seemed like it would have been a pretty cool thing to reveal. It's not like they show fucking Captain America with Thor's hammer in the trailer for Endgame. You know, it seems like kind of a cool moment to like spoil that's the here's kind of, here's where i'll here's where i'll like it's that. not like the kind of thing that ruins the plot it's the kind of thing where it's like seeing it without knowing it's coming this is the kind of thing i don't want spoiled they already you know? they already announced it at comic-con but a that's while so, ago. so stupid Why? okay so you mean like way back then i thought sure. you were just talking about but in I the mean, trailer all it's, it's one all thing, it's it. one thing to announce natalie portman is lady thor Seeing her catch the reform Molnir would have been more like, impactful if we had. Yeah, didn't know it was you coming. don't the impact level. Having seen that in the trailer, I is something that believe that for you guys it might have done that. I have read the first twenty issues of Thor with Jane Foster being Thor, so I already knew that like that's part of the thing. Like I can tell you other things if you want to know it, but I don't want to spoil it because it's clearly you guys don't know a lot <coughs> about it. I guess it just didn't occur to me because like I already knew the history around that character. Well, I didn't know that any of the Thor stuff. I don't know how closely that relates to the comics because the thing about Thor in the comics is it's a fairly different character in the movie. He's not as funny. For one thing, he skews closer to the first two Thors than he does to Ragnarok Thor. But even in the first two Thors, like his alter ego is like a distinctly different person. Right. But it's that was okay. So they kind of tell the story in the first one, but they fudge it up basically for being arrogant. He's cast down to earth, but he doesn't know he's Thor. And then at a certain point he finds the hammer, but he still doesn't know for a long time in the comic that he actually was Thor. You just think he turns into him. My point is that early Thor in the comics is a mess. Yes. And they cleaned up that shit for the movies. Like, I think that the movie Thor, the MCU Thor, is a much better Thor yeah. than the comic book Thor. Even though the comic book Thor has been around for fucking decades. But like, Thor I don't... in the comics right now is Jane it's... Foster. Right. Old Thor is now Odin's son. He just goes by Odin's but son. It seems and he uses like... Stormbreaker. I feel it just I guess it just it didn't occur to me that the Thor movies are like basing their storylines off of actual events events from the comics you know I mean they're taking what they want from it right right? so there's like very iconic Marvel storylines that are very well remembered and none of them are Thor storylines Thor's hammer breaking in Ragnarok I didn't think that was inspired by a comic I didn't realize that Thor's hammer ever broke like that um, it, for an extended it period of time. doesn't that I know of. And then Jane Foster is the one that puts it back together? Okay. I'm that's just, in the comics? I'm just going to... No. No, it's not. Well, that's what they're, I'm saying. They're already changing. Like, in the comics, what it is, is like, Thor is not worthy anymore. Yeah. I didn't get to the point where he, like, said what he did. He clearly knows what he did, but he's not saying it. And, like, for whatever reason, he's not worthy of the hammer anymore. And so he gets Stormbreaker. He starts to learn to go without the hammer. And then suddenly this woman Thor comes along, can do everything he did, but actually can do more with the hammer than he ever could. She gets other powers on top of what he had because it connects to her better and she's more worthy of it than he was and he realizes that but he still doesn't know who it is and it's like basically the first graphic novel they don't tell you that it's Jane Foster and he's talking to all these women he knew and at one point Jane Foster is like dying from cancer yep. and he talks to her yeah i don't like that part of it i hope that she's not dying well, of and cancer she can in the only MCU. not die by being Thor and so like she doesn't want to be Thor because it hurts him but also she will die if she's not Thor so it's like right but I really hope that Jane Foster in the movie to have she better not have cancer I'm betting that they strip that out from it but then again then again Thor Ragnarok just like Guardians of the Galaxy we think about him as super fun movie they're kind of depressing dude like (laughs) Thor Ragnarok Odin dies and then like him and his brother are like really split in a almost unrepairable way 
at the beginning of it. And then Asgard gets destroyed. And then at the very end of the movie, basically they set up losing half of what's left of Asgard. Yeah. You know, they had already lost half of Asgard. Now they're going to lose another half of Asgard from Thanos. So there's actually a lot of tragedy that runs through that. It's just like it's so fucking funny and colorful. Yeah, you don't think about it that way. It? Yeah. It's all Shakespearean. So, of course, there's tragedy and comedy. Yeah. Yeah, the laughing mask and the sad mask. And when they, it's like, oh, boo. Well, that was just a long way of saying I'm sorry that they ruined the Mjolnir moment for you guys. <laughs> it's just like, a, it seems like there's plenty of footage available in a movie that is probably about two hours long, two and a half, I'm guessing. Not a short ass movie. That just takes some fucking footage that's not that cool. You know, use slightly less cool footage. Save the good stuff. Just save the good stuff. People. I'm tr- betting there's a lot of good stuff left. Jeremy. You think that we haven't even seen any of the, the moments the God in God Butcher yet? Do you think that any of the moments in that Crimes of the Future movie are like the good bits of the Crimes of the Future movie? I mean, the sewing of the eyes shut seems like a pretty big sewing thing. Sewing mouth shut. That's, oh, sorry. were his eyes already sewn shut too? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. That's Anyways. more horrifying yeah. to me than the mouth. What was that like? Body mod? Modification for performance art is like what I was reading about. The Wikipedia <laughs> synopsis is very light on details. Yeah, I did not read into it because I didn't want to know. Oh, one other <laughs> thing about the trailer. We got Fat Thor at the beginning of it. We're getting at least part Fat Thor in this movie. Yeah, we wa- watched that's it with where the I, uh, Forrest Gump hat. That's where we got off the, the, uh, Did you see what the hat says? No, Thor I couldn't read it. Back. It says Strongest Avenger. <laughs> that's amazing and it's just like it's a fucking tweed trucker hat too it's like actually oh, yeah. he really thinks he's stronger than Hulk it was a line that they said in Thor Ragnarok oh it's, I know they were yeah. fighting over he's like you are a big raging Hulk raging fire Thor <laughs> little tiny weak fire <laughs> that's pretty good stuff I had a hot take on a 40-year-old movie. A hot take on a 40-year-old. All right, first off, my hot take is this is not going to be a 40-year-old movie. What movie (laughs) is it? Meatballs. Oh, God, that probably is a 40-year-old movie. 82 sounds right. 79. 79. See, not a fucking 40-year-old movie. (laughs) It's a 42-year-old movie. It's a 43-year-old movie. Okay, so what's your hot take on this movie that Um, nobody... It is exactly not the movie I thought it was. It's actually the story about a guy who's uh, super sad, and so he hangs out with little kids. For what intention, I don't know, but he's clearly going to do something bad with those kids, dude. They're all looking at him like he's the coolest guy ever. And you're not cool because you're hanging out with little kids, even if you're Bill Murray. Yeah, and he physically assaults a chick at one point. It's the camp counselor one, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah. That's my take. He assaults the chick in that movie. This is a hot take. It's an 80s movie, dude. You know what a hot no, take is? Hey, that 80s movie, it's actually like totally holds up today. Like there's nothing wrong with the sexual <laughs> politics in it. I think that my hot but take is that you should my, make my, sure my you didn't have a My big thought stroke. was, you know, Ivan Reitman and Bill Murray should not be in a writer's room together because there's some bad things that come out of that writer's room. When they work together. Like the, the rape drug pe- and the rape Ghostbusters. Drug and Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, there's there's some bad things can happen with that. Okay, I got <laughs> one last thing too. Okay, this is a quick thing. So Scott Adams, you guys know who Scott Adams is? He writes di- yes, he wrote Dilbert. Dilbert. Yeah. And super he's kind conservative, of, he's right? Turned into like kind neo of, conservative. He's turned into kind of a douchebag. Yeah. So uh yesterday he put out this Twitter thread and People start mocking him. And it's like, this is the, the structure. Each tweet is like, here is a tweet. Number of times a real gun has been pointed at my head. Five. That's the first tweet. And then he says, number of fights I have ever been in. Zero. I attacked two bu- bullies in my teen years, but they surrendered without countering. They number of surrendered? Times- 
Number of times my car stereo has been stolen, four. Number of times my home or garage have been burgled, five. Number of times I've been assaulted at knife point, two. This one got the most attention. It's the reason that I know of this is because this was the specific one that people were reacting to. Number of times someone stole more than $50,000 from me, five to seven times. You haven't locked down a specific number of times that <laughs> someone's stolen $50,000 from me? That's okay, a large sum so to not that be list sure goes on for a while and it's all just like the whole point is he's like crime is bad whatever Paul F. Tompkins he started his own thread in the same vein but his thread is the best his thread starts with Number of times I ate glass by accident, 19. (laughs) Number of times I ate glass on purpose, 26. (laughs) Number of times I made out with my girlfriend only to discover mid-makeout that I had been deceived by the shape-shifting villain Clayface, 5 to (laughs) 7. Number of dimes I've held in my hand for more than a full minute, 70,000. Number of greyhounds I have beaten in a foot race, zero. I challenged over ten. None of them would accept my challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Number of hurricanes I have drunk a mojito in the eye of, three. Number of haunted cars I have had stolen from me, seven to eight. (laughs) Number of licks it took me to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, two. Number of regional chowders I've personally invented. Two. Number of eyes I have willed myself to regrow in my skull after they were punctured by a mean child. Two. Number of wishes I have made after summoning a genie from a lamp. Four. (laughs) (laughs) Number of times I have been murdered. Nine. Number of times I have broken both arms and legs and back and neck and feet and wrists, 73. Number of Snake River Canyons I have jumped on a motorcycle, 1. Number of times people have punched me in the face with real fists, 11 to 13. Number of Burt's I have dilled, 6. Number of huge boulders I've run from after stealing a golden idol. Two. Number of times God revealed himself to me during an episode of ridiculousness. Fifteen and counting. Number of beeps in the boop boop. Not applicable. I went on a long time. I take it the Scott <laughs> Adams one went on that long as well. <laughs> yeah, about that long, yeah. <laughs> but it was just all just like, times I've been, had a knife pulled on me. Times of it's just like very, oh, and actually Scott Adams does reach a point where he says, number of incurable diseases in myself that I've cured successfully, three. So Scott Adams claims that he's cured three incurable diseases in himself. And, like, the thing is, is okay, clearly let me, let me ask, Paul of Tompkins is joking. Scott Adams doesn't seem like he's joking. This this is what I wanted to ask. Is this, like, <laughs> wry humor that everybody's taking the wrong way? Because no. Because he does write comedy for a living. I mean, he writes he? a Dobert story. I mean, I know you don't <laughs> yeah. like it, he but there is, a, there is a punchline to it. Or, or... Did he just have a couple of Coors no, see, Light and fire up Twitter on this his phone? Is, this isn't the kind of Took comedy. This is the, it's not the kind of comedy Scott wait, wait, Adams Is it writes. called Ambien? Ambien? Is this like Ambien? calling it Target? Yeah. What? <laughs> what's this kind of humor Scott Adams does nowadays is like sardonically raising his eyebrows at the stupid thing that the liberals said. Okay. That's literally the extent of what of his intentional comedy is like being like, well, look at these idiots over here be thinking they're so clever, but man, they're so dumb. Like that's really that's the gist. So his listing of the the crimes and stuff, things that that's happened, what he's doing is he's establishing a pe- like a this is like my list of the he's shit I've about- had to deal with so you know that like when I say these things, other things, unrelated things that like, it, this is what, it, where it came from. Like pedigree, man. I've had not, guns pointed at me and shit. I've had large amounds of money stolen from me. And, and I yet can't he's still whimsical to write Dogbert and Catbert. And it's funny because the character's name is Dilbert. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that one, and oh, there's that Dilbert. one lady. There's that one lady in the office. Alice. And everyone steals credit from her, and she goes, "Erg." And then there's Wally. And, and Wally, as far as lazy. I can tell, 
Yeah, that and he's bald. Wally's lazy. You know he's yeah. lazy because he's bald. Yeah. You know what's funny is one of the first, like the top reply to his Scott Adams' thread, you get to the bottom of his thread, the first reply, somebody has just put a frame from a Dilbert comic and it's Wally saying like, you know, I bet you you could just put whatever numbers you want in there and nobody would ever know. <laughs> <laughs> is he holding the coffee cup while he's doing <laughs> yep. it? Of course he is. He always is. And that's why it's funny because he's got that coffee cup. Yeah. And his tie, his tie's a little crooked. Yeah. Dilbert's tie always like goes <laughs> and like bends off to the side. There was one Dilbert comic that I enjoyed, and but there's con- there's context behind it. So when we were in high school, we had the men's room was fucking terrible at Helena High. It was just like there was no mirror because probably somebody had... Because probably somebody busted it up before we went to school there. And, like, there was never any soap. And, like, the tiles were all fucked up. It was just a fucking shit show. And then at one point, for some reason, like, somebody had gone in the girls' room and was like, it's fucking nice in here. What the hell? Like, they had mirrors. They had all of this stuff. And so we wrote the bathroom manifesto because it was right around the time that uh, the Unabomber wrote his manifesto and it came out. Yeah, and then the communist manifesto was going around like right so we each took three pages and we had everybody in the class do it as like an extracurricular thing and so we had this 90 page thing that we like flopped on the principal's desk (laughs) the bathroom manifesto and on the front page was just a dilbert comic where like there's these two women and they're like we're going to the women's room and one of them's like oh you want to watch gone with the wind and the other one's like oh no i got the wizard vods and she's like okay i'll fire up the theater system and then like wally goes to dilbert and he's like guess what they got in the men's room now soap and i was like yeah that's helena high right there scott adams taking him down a peg you know way to go scotty i'll give him credit for being able to lampoon office culture yeah sure that's fine but done better in the office just like shut up and dribble though you know like stay in your shut lane up and dribble. stay in your lane cartoonist <laughs> why don't you shut up and scribble yeah shut up and scribble that's what i said <laughs> <laughs> are you trumping me right now <laughs> <laughs> there was got sleepy uh, pigs over so, there saying you said everything no, i said I was, everybody knows that i said maybe i took a little no but. i was thinking about uh i was thinking about lizzo on saturday night live this weekend she i thought she was pretty good the very first sketch was like a game show sketch and it was just answer trivia. And she gets a question wrong. So it was like the name of the airport, New York. And she, she's like, Robert F. Kennedy Airport. And he's like, I'm sorry. And then uh, another guy buzzes in. He's like, uh, John F. Kennedy Airport. And it's like, that's correct. She's like, yeah, that's what I said. And they're like, no, <laughs> that's not what you said. She's like, yeah, it is. And then it's like, uh, and then they start, they try to continue on. But she's like, hey, I should get half of his money because he got, I gave him half the answer. <laughs> like. And then the guy's like, no, that's not the rules. He's like, who made you mayor of game show town? (laughs) Like, it's just nonsense. She's just kind of being a uh, ridiculous black lady fighting with the game show host for no reason. But it's funny. I don't know. That sketch worked for me. There were a bunch of sketches that worked for me this this week. I liked it. I haven't seen it. I'm not. You keep looking at me like you're trying to destroy me. I just haven't seen it. She is the host and the musical guest. And uh, she introduced herself at the first time. She's like, ladies and gentlemen, me. And it was like kind of adorable. People were saying that was the first time that that had ever happened. But then it turns out that Chance the Rapper introduced himself when he did double duty. And so she was the first female pulling double duty to introduce herself. But then it turned out Madonna did it, so she was the first African-American Well, it turns to... out that technically <laughs> Chance the Rapper wasn't the first guy to do it because Garth Brooks introduced Chris Gaines once. But Chris Gaines and they're not the same person anyways, right? They're they're different people. Yeah, Chris Gaines was like an alt guy. Like yeah. he was like alt rock. Like yeah, he had a Garth go- Brooks was he had a goatee. Yeah. Chris Gaines told- had a soul patch. Dude, he looks different because he combed <laughs> his hair down over his face and he had a goatee. It's weird. It's like Garth Brooks takes his glasses off and then all of a sudden I he was gone and Chris Gaines was there. and i was like hey chris gaines where did garth brooks go and he's just like i don't know man go ask kent (laughs) 
All right, I'm done. Wait a second. I got one more question. How many people are more? How many of these people are there that's famous for their alter ego? We got like Paul Rubens is more famous for being Pee Wee Herman. We got Cassandra Peterson is more famous for being Elvira. And of course, dude, we've got Chris Gaines is more famous for being <laughs> Garth Brooks. Uh, Ernest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Varney. Is, uh, is there another one? Every actor in Hollywood. <laughs> I would, dude, Michael Fox is famous for being I Michael mean, J. Fox. I would argue that what's his name is better known as Ross Geller on Friends. All the friends. That's not All what I'm, the that's not what I'm talking friends. about, though. Like, it's the persona that they get credited as. You know what I mean? Like, you look okay, at Elvira, well, Mistress uh, of the Dark, it says Elvira as herself. It does not say Cassandra we'll Peterson. We'll come full circle then. We'll come full circle and I'll say, that wasn't Gilbert Godfrey's real voice. Oh, I know that. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is he is known as being this loud, abrasive guy, but that was only his persona, his television persona. But he didn't change his name. His yeah, name he was Gilbert. Oh, what was it? Uh, of course. Never mind. I don't care. Yeah. Gilberton Godfrickin <laughs> Godfrickson. He just took out some of the extra v- syllables. What if it was something like Paul Smith? Yeah. Gilberto. Anyways, I'm done. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. I don't know what you're waiting on. I'm just waiting yeah. on Brandon to like, no, no, no name. You made us wait for nothing. Carl destroyed my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. It's taking you so long. I just go to Wikipedia and type his name in. All right. Tune in next episode for the reveal of Gilbert Gottfried's actual name. I think that is his name. Oh, wait. Birth name. Nope. That's his name. <laughs> his God damn it. His Brandon. middle name's Jeremy. All right. Take it easy. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account and you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Zach and Matt discuss some of the best and worst horror movies out there. Check out all four seasons of Watch No Evil. Lauren and Sarah riff on changing topics each week. Whether it's celebrity horoscopes, the poop cruise, or smell-o-vision, you'll laugh along with Dippers. Catch up on pop culture news and reviews every week with Brandon Biggs and Carl on Not Safe for Network. Professor Aaron Donaldson and Purple Heart recipient Charles Horgan break down war movies, their narratives, and the rhetoric behind them on Real War Project. 